Time now for Financial Friday on WOMI with your host, Drew Watson, sponsored by Align Wealth Management. Welcome to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the October 7th edition of Financial Fridays. And boy, you can otherwise known in Owensboro as the get out of town for fall break edition. Uh, the markets this week started off like a house of fire in a very, very good way with back-to-back days of the market being up uh, Several percent, um, you know, by Wednesday morning, the S&P was up about 5.7% uh, for the week, uh, making back some of the losses that September put on us. But uh, the last couple days, we've given back a little bit of the gains as rates have seesawed back and forth. And as the close uh, came in on Thursday, we were about 3.83% on the 10-year. Uh, and the S&P... Looked like it was knocking down the door, down about 36 points. A couple things um, that we always look at as we begin the show. The commodity du jour, as you know, on the show is lumber. Lumber prices were up about 4% on Thursday, closing at 455 per 1,000 board feet, which is a far cry from uh, 1,300 and change just uh, six months ago or so. Natural gas. Also has become a staple here on the show. It was uh, $6.94 for a million cubic feet. Unleaded gasoline in New York is back up, uh, as is crude. Uh, unleaded gas, 269 wholesale. And West Texas Intermediate back closing in close to 90 at 88.95. Gold also has caught a bid this week up to about 17.14 an ounce. Uh, that's a pretty good bounce off the lows of about the low 1600s just um, about a week or so ago. So if you're watching, it looks like all eyes are on interest rates with the way this market is uh, performing. Um, you know, historically, we've had either we have down rates, you have a pretty good day for stocks. When rates are uh, up, it's a bad day for stocks. And when rates have been even, it's been a pretty decent day for stocks as well. Everything will hinge on today's unemployment report that's going to come in right around the time I'm on uh, the radio show. But certainly stay tuned because we've got a great show for you today. We'll cover a lot of great concepts and a book review on Ray Dalio's new book. But keep listening to Financial Fridays right here on your favorite station. We'll be back after a word from our sponsors. What do you want to do when you grow up? When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer. Our pursuits become careers. And if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays, brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, private wealth advisor with Align. And in this segment, we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into really kind of what's going on um, in markets 
this week and especially what has been going on in the bond market as a whole. Uh, you know, in a perfect world, uh, and as we said on other telecasts, we've only had one year uh, in the past, I think, 100, where both the aggregate bond market index and the S&P 500 index were negative. That was 1994. Uh, we were kind of were in the midst of a uh, recession. Uh, Bill Clinton was in uh, command at the White House, and um, – his dry cleaners were doing a brisk business, if you know what I mean. But with that being said, uh, that year the performance of the bond market was just modestly negative, uh, coming in around, uh, you know, I think not even 2% uh, down. And this year the aggregate bond indexes are down a whopping, uh, as of kind of midweek, uh, down almost 13 and a half percent for the year. Uh, so in stock market terms, that would be, gosh, almost a, a 40, 40 to 50 percent route. So uh, our friends at Ameriprise, uh, they've t- looked at maybe perhaps um, looking at bonds to try to make lemonade out of a bond market lemon. And traditionally, bonds are typically a boring part of a portfolio, but given the aggressive interest rate moves this year, they have been anything but boring. So let me set the stage to say typically bond market performance one year after top and bottom fund flow years are are, are these. So uh, on average, the Bloomberg U.S. aggregate bond index, one year total returns after top five flow year is about 2.1%. the average Bloomberg U.S. aggregate total return is about uh, five and an eighth. And then the Bloomberg aggregate one-year total return after a bottom five fund flow years, kind of like this year, has been averaging almost a 9% or 8.96% a year return. And um, as I said, and you know, bonds have not been the safe haven investors typically expect during this year's volatility. As a hawkish Federal Reserve and heightened inflation have led to the worst bond market route in decades, it's also coincided with a stock market sell-off. With the performance that's happened this year, it may be tempting to, to abandon your fixed income allocation altogether and just hide out in cash. But with bond yields at a multi-year high, that means prices on existing bonds have gone down, and bond funds in record Outflows, that means investors taking their money out, uh, taking out more money than they're putting in. Bailing on fixed income now could mean missing out on an eventual recovery. Uh, Ameriprise uh, writers believe investors should stay the course on their fixed income allocations rather than look at losses as a reason to set in cash. You can consider taking advantage of the opportunity to harvest those losses for tax benefits and improve the income distribution of your bond portfolio. So, you know, record bond outflows, um, as I mentioned at the top of this segment, could be a signal for better days ahead. Mutual fund flows measure the net movement of money in or out of mutual funds. They also provide a proxy of investor sentiment and, in some environments, have been a good indicator of what not to do with your money. For taxable bond funds, periods of strong inflows have generally been followed by a period 
of below average returns and periods of strong outflows followed by above average annual returns as I talked about the charts that I was covering in the top of this segment. This year, taxable bond mutual funds have set net outflows of over $239 billion, and that's based on Morningstar estimates as of the end of August, putting them on track for their worst year of outflows in over 20 years. If the historical trend holds, the herd mentality driving many investors out of fixed income could be the priming of the asset class for a recovery and perhaps better days ahead. You know, that brings us back to you know the average um, one-year return following a bottom uh, – following the worst five fund outflow years has been 8.9%. So higher bond yields provide better long-term performance prospects for fixed income because as prices go down, rates – yields go up. Beyond the short-term dynamics of investor sentiment, it is more important, I believe, for investors to focus on long-term performance prospects. For fixed income, long-term performance is largely driven by the income component of the total return, i.e. the coupon payment. So your total return is driven by how much income an investment produces plus the difference between what you pay for it and what you sell the investment for or it matures. At. Since the Bloomberg aggregate's inception in 1976, its return from coupon income has made up over 90% of its total return, and the level of yield at the beginning of investing periods has had a strong correlation with future returns. And if you can imagine a you know arrow going up and to the right on a chart, uh, that definitely has been the um, you know kind of forward 10-year total returns is when yields are up, um, you know, definitely you're getting better better returns, especially the longer you go out closer to maturity, such as six and a half to seven years. This is a fact that could be easily forgotten in a year like 2022 when falling bond prices have overwhelmed the return from income. But with the yield of the Bloomberg aggregate rising from a low of 1.04% in August of 2020 to a current level of over 4.5%, long-term performance prospects have significantly improved. So that's striking. That's almost a 450% difference. Uh, or four and a half times difference in the yield. You know, as the old saying goes, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. For bond investors, we believe that the mindset should be put to use this year through tax loss harvesting. Tax loss harvesting is a strategy that intentionally realize a capital loss on a security that offset taxes owed on capital gains. In most years, the focus of this strategy tends to be on equity holdings as they have a greater potential to realize losses. However, with historic bond market volatility this year, an opportunity has emerged for many investors to realize losses in their bond portfolios as well. Uh, this tax loss harvesting in your fixed income allocation can be specifically advantageous this year as proceeds reinvested in fixed income can be less likely to create future tax liability compared to equity positions. And the current market environment provides an opportunity to improve portfolio income distributions, which can put investors in a better position to meet income goals longer term. Simply put, the lower you buy something at, so the cheaper, the lower the price that you, you purchase something, um, 
the higher the yield or the income that investment may very well produce. So if you're looking for income in the long run, perhaps being retired, this may be a strategy that is right for you. Keep listening to Financial Fridays right here on this station, and we'll be back after a word from our sponsors. When today is unpredictable, you need sound advice and strong support to help you stay focused on your long-term financial goals for tomorrow. Ameriprise has been guiding clients through challenging times for over 125 years. You can take comfort in working with an advisor who's backed by that strong experience and who's there to guide you with personalized, goal-based financial advice. Together, you and your Ameriprise advisor can plan your future while navigating your now. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Offices located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is our financial planning segment of the show where we'll take a deeper dive on financial planning topics that are um, in the offing. And as we uh, tape this show, you've got about another week to get the final, final taxes done for 2021. And um, with that said, we'll take a little bit of a deeper dive on ways to get your taxes together and be done in a timely fashion because we know sometimes things do drag on. Um, first and foremost, I would say be organized. So whether or not you have a business or you're just a um, regular W-2 employee somewhere, it never hurts to be organized. One of the things that I do um, kind of in – I'd say an analog, Mr. Watson, is keep an old accordion folder that you can label different things um, such as, you know, insurance, mortgage information, investments, banking, uh, charitable contributions, housing expenses, utilities, etc. And as your bills or as the mail comes in throughout the year, um, stash that information in that kind of accordion file or if you have a filing cabinet at home you can use that and then go through and kind of clear that data out um, you know after tax season keep it all bound together on whatever you filed your taxes in uh, set that back and, and people always ask how long do you need to keep your tax information personally I, I think the, the rule of thumb is you know seven years but I like to keep my old tax returns uh, indefinitely and perhaps the supporting information, all I will keep them for is about seven years. Um, I think the IRS will tell you uh, the current tax year uh, and then three years prior, but uh, heaven forbid if you needed more information, it would be terrible to need it and not have it. Uh, and I'd rather live by the Bruce Gillen rule of having it and not needing it is better than needing it and not having it. But with that said... Uh, there's obviously in this digital age two uh, two ways to stay organized and ahead of the uh, game, so to speak, with taxes. One is the filing system. I just kind of went through for paper files, uh, if that's the way you want to do things. And then, likewise, on your computer, you can set up a you know folder for 
call it 2022 tax year. If you get everything sent to you electronically, uh, you can have that in a, a folder um, on your computer, download that to a thumb drive, perhaps give it to your accountant, but therefore you can have that data uh, held electronically, and it would be a good idea, obviously, to have that all encrypted, et cetera, uh, whereas, uh, you know, for, for safekeeping, and you can create subfolders just like you could in the uh, hardcover world of, uh, you know, insurance, property taxes, charitable contributions, income, um, utilities, et cetera, to stay organized. Another really neat feature, uh, if depending on who your credit card company is, is traditionally you can request either uh, – Pull it yourself from the um, uh, credit card website or request an annual uh, expense uh, kind of breakdown of where you spent your money on your credit card. And this is good from a budgeting standpoint because a lot of companies do go ahead and break stuff down as food, entertainment, clothing, um, travel, etc., and you can see where your dollars are going. Uh, that's helpful from both a tax standpoint, perhaps, if you're trying to write something off, but also from a financial planning standpoint to help build out your overall budgeting for each and every year. But the more you can be organized and ahead of the game when it comes to federal income taxes, the better off you will be. Uh, you know, there again... If you set up charitable contributions and you do it from, say, your investment account, go ahead and ask to have a copy of that uh, sent to you so you have that record of it versus having to remember it and maybe go back to a statement of your own. Um, if wherever you donate to, also have them provide you or make sure they provide you likewise a corresponding receipt for that charitable donation so you can kind of match up what uh, what went out and what was received by the entity. Uh, this also holds true and is now more important when it comes to college expenses as you know, more and more places are issuing a 1098T for distributions perhaps from college accounts and now colleges are also issuing uh, tax statements as well and you can keep both of those um, documents together to, you know, justify the expense you had to pay and to prove that it went to the place of higher education. So as we would say, it never hurts to stay ahead of the curve in being organized, and that can hopefully keep you from paying and doing your taxes at the 11th hour. Now, of course, if you owed a bunch of money and you want to uh, delay your taxes, um uh, that, that's up to you, but keep in mind um, any tax liability should be paid by April 15th or whatever that day is uh, in April every year, and, and then you have until October to finish the return. So if you have liability, you could be running into potential additional taxes and penalties. Do that, but as always, when it comes to taxes, check with your certified public accountant about that on the best way to make to make sure you're not paying any undue taxes and penalties at all. Keep listening to Financial Fridays right here on this station, and we'll be back in 60 seconds. What do you want to do when you grow up? 
When we were young, it's a question we were often asked. As we get older, our passions become clearer, our pursuits become careers, and if we're diligent, we begin to plan for the life we want to live. That's why at Ameriprise Financial, we ask, what's most important to you? Starting with our confident retirement approach, your Ameriprise Financial Advisor will ask questions that will help you arrive at a customized plan that can help you realize your goals today, tomorrow, and throughout retirement. With the right financial advisor, life can be brilliant. Call Align Wealth Management, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc. today at 270-684-8424. That's 270-684-8424. Office is located at 2708 New Hartford Road in Owensboro, Kentucky. The confident retirement approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Hello and welcome back to Financial Fridays brought to you by Align Wealth Management. I'm your host, Drew Watson, and this is the email bag segment of our show where we answer your questions that have come in over the last week. And uh, as a reminder, please feel free to send me your questions to William.A.Watson at ampf.com and I will try to get them on the show and today's questions are about have you read any good books regarding to finances um, here lately you know, occasionally I've talked about books that are considered to be cornerstones of finance such as Bernard Malkiel's A Random Walk Down Wall Street and probably the best book I've read lately with regards to finances um, is it's a book by Ray Dalio he is a uh, you know the founder of uh, the world's largest hedge fund, but he's written a book called The Principles for Dealing with the Changing World Order, Why Nations Succeed and Fail. And in the book, what Dalio does a very good job of is describing the typical cycles that happen when um, the world... uh, you know, has change going on. And uh, it's very well written. And if you like to kind of peruse through books, the format of the book is excellent in that he bolds, puts in bold print what is the most important pieces of each chapter and actually goes so far as puts a red dot next to what I would consider to be hyperly important concepts. Uh, he lays this out, um, you know, basically in a kind of three parts. Uh, one, how the world works, which talks about the big cycle um, that uh, goes on in most you know, empires or nations' life, you know, starting from their rise to their, um, you know, what I would consider to be their kind of planing out um, all the way to, you know, how they might, some people might say, get soft and then into their decline. And, uh, you know, that's what he calls the big cycle in a nutshell. And there's about, you know, as I said, five parts to that. And, you know, it's not, I would say, specifically, um, you know, happens exactly the same way because there's different times. But he does discuss that it's very rare that a country or an empire goes more than 300 years in what they would consider to be the command seat. Um, and so, you know, that, that is the, 
that is the key. Uh, he does go through what he considers to be the eight determinants of wealth and power. Uh, that starts with education, then competitiveness, innovation and technology, economic output, share of world trade, military strength, financial center strength, and reserve currency status. And he does, um, you know, basically focus on what has been the um, you know historical top uh, top powers that starts with the dutch empire uh and their reserve currency which was the guilder goes on to the british empire and their reserve um currency the pound uh the us with our reserve currency that's currently that of the world and the dollar and china and their renminbi now he does focus on specifically you know within this big cycle you have kind of a new order comes on you've got a rise you get to the top you have a decline and then a revolution usually and then a new order emerges so depending on how you count you could say there's four or five pieces to this but then he really focuses a lot on u.s china relations and the different types of wars and those are his words, not mine, that could come out of this, uh, such as trade wars, technology wars, uh, information wars, and eventually perhaps a shooting war. Now, he also um, puts into pretty good context why certain things happen. And you know, very, very poignantly, I would say, if you are not a believer that education, especially public education, matters um, – he provides what I would say is probably the strongest case I've seen that shows why education is important um, for each country and especially their economic success. Um, now, oftentimes when the decline happens, it's because you've had a relatively long period of unchallenged uh, leadership and – your next generations get soft. There's uh, no other way to say it, and that's when new emergents come on to take command. Now, Dalio, if you know him, is an old China hand and has um, you know, been to China many, many times over the last 40 years. His son, I think, has even lived in China for extended periods of time. And he's quick to point out that the Chinese, except for the 1800s, well, let's say they call it the century of humiliation from the mid-1800s to the mid-1900s, um, really was a country that could have been said to be a leading world power for multiple hundreds of years. So he does not think that a conflagration or collision between the U.S. and China is absolutely coming around the corner, but – Unless something changes, there is probably a confrontation coming, and hopefully that could stay in the sphere of the economic world. But he does see globalization as kind of uncoupling and each country kind of going their own way. Now, specifically when it comes to a shooting war uh, over the status of the island nation of Taiwan, formerly known as Formosa, you know, he does give the advantage slightly to the Chinese since he doesn't think most U.S. citizens will really want to do what it takes to win that war and keep uh, Taiwan as an independent uh, ally in the big scheme of things. But it is a very well-written book. It's very 
um, you know, if you're not a student of history, it may be eye-opening and it may be a little bit disconcerting to read this, especially with where we are in the U.S. cycle. You know, our country, uh, from the age of a country standpoint, is relatively uh, young, but we have had kind of leading world status, depending on where you say it began, but certainly after World War II, uh, most of these areas of ascent only have about a 100 to 200-year lifespans, and certainly we're closing in on a uh, century of that by the time we get out to 2041. And one of the most important aspects is the world reserve currency status. And luckily for us, I mean, most transactions globally happen in U.S. dollars. When I say most, I think right now it's well over almost 60% to 70%. The euro is next. Um the yen, then the pound, and the renminbi now is only about 2 to 5% of global transactions. But he is thinking that may change. Now, one thing's for sure, uh, the Chinese do manipulate their currency, and it's hard to have a – and be a global reserve currency if your central bank is constant, constantly – um, manipulating it because a lot of people like trade to be free, not so much um, manipulated by the government people involved, especially not a uh, communist government. If you want to know more about China, the chapters on China in this book are an excellent primer on what's really happened since Mao took over the country um, after World War II and where we are now with Xi Jinping with a very – a uh, good chapter dedicated to Dao Jinping, who was Mao's uh, um, follower, immediately immediate successor, and the good things he did by opening up the country there. So that's a great book by Ray Dalio. You can look it up online. Changing the Changing World Order is the name, and um, that's your review. Keep listening. We'll be back same time, same station next week. This is WOMI Owensboro. 